Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rich in Relationship. And today we're with Carly Myers, the founder of Stress Less Company. How are you today, Carly? I'm doing dandy. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm really excited about meeting you. Same. I'm excited to continue I, the conversation. I like have met so many people on video over the last year and a half. It's become the way I meet people for the most part. <laughs> so I get really excited about it. <laughs> I know. It's it's funny. I just met someone that I know through Instagram in person the other day for the first time. And I was like, I know you from Instagram. She already felt like my friend. So bizarre the times that we're living in. Well, right but now. also, you like originally social media was kind of conceived for that purpose. I mean, the I not that we're here to talk about that, but it was originally conceived as a way to to meet new people that you might be interested in knowing that you could meet in person later on you know instead and it can be very effective for that like for dating for example so yeah. let me ask you the question i asked everybody in the beginning of the show which is and actually before i ask that why don't you tell people what does it mean what is what the heck is a stress less company <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess it really starts with, you know, what is it that I do as the, as the founder of the Stressless Company? And so what I do is I support leaders who really struggle with leaving work at work. They struggle with um, whether it's the, the thoughts that are racing at the end of the day, whether it's putting down the tasks, they're really struggling with being in that stress mindset. They're overworked and they're exhausted. And what I do is I support them in feeling more grounded and free than ever before and creating the relationship with whatever is outside of them that feels most aligned. And so uh, that is really what we do. We have, um, like I say to a lot of people, the, the way that I would describe the work that we do is that we are predominantly an education company and secondarily a mentorship company. So we're providing the tools so that your listeners can really, or our audience, our community can really embody the change that needs to happen so they can feel more content. I love the way you frame your company as predominantly an education company and then secondarily a mentorship company. That's really cool. And so how did your, now the question, how did your heart lead you to that work? Ooh, can of worms, can of worms. I will try to keep it uh, short and sweet, give you the cliff notes version. So the it reason be, that I it got it juicy, it doesn't have to oh. be <laughs> it'll still be juicy, I promise. Um, so the reason that I got into this line of work is because of an experience I actually had when I was uh, a teenager and I was about 12 years old. Um, around that time, things weren't working out between my parents and they decided to go their separate ways. So this is a full circle for, I think, you and your listeners here. Um, so my mom ended up dating as as we all do when we feel like we're ready. And she ended up dating a bad apple. She realized it pretty quickly, broke it off. A few weeks later, that ex-boyfriend broke into my childhood home, killed my mom's new boyfriend and tried to kill my mom. Oh my God. Yeah. Talk about stressful. Talk about stress. Yeah. So my mom ended up surviving. And you, if you saw her today, you'd have no idea, which is such a blessing. Um, but as a result of that experience, I really struggled for a long time. Right. I struggled with the symptoms of PTSD. Yeah, no joke. Overwhelm. Yeah, no, it was no joke whatsoever. And so for a long time, I ended up keep holding it all in. Right. I didn't want to be the straw that broke the camel's back. I didn't want to be the burden to other people. To your mom. To so my mom actually was in medically induced coma for, for a while. So not necessarily. 
but uh, to my family, to my community at large, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot going on. We had a lot to navigate, a lot to handle. So um, when I finally got the courage to open up to people in my life, which by the way, wasn't family, I would say things to people like, you know, hey, I'm feeling a little stressed or I'm feeling a little overwhelmed or I'm kind of struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and I would ask them for advice, like, you know, what should I do? What do you think? And it was like clockwork. I got the same five or so responses every single time. You know, hey, Carly, have you tried therapy? Have you tried yoga? Have you tried meditation? Have you changed your diet? Like, when's the last time you hit the gym? And from my perspective, I was like, no shit, Sherlock, come on. Like, do you think I've been living under a rock? Oh my, of course I've tried these things. What? <laughs> right? Are you kidding? And I have to be honest around that. There's some of the stuff did not work at all full transparency. Some of the stuff worked a little bit, but um, nothing really got me over that hump where I was experiencing that, that joy, that silliness, that goofiness, whatever that beautiful state of mind it is that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And when I would tell people that those things didn't work for me or they weren't working quite enough, I would, I would get a similar response again. And it would be, well, you just haven't found the right you know, therapist, or you just haven't, you, you know, you haven't found the right diet, or you just haven't, you know, stick with it. And, or uh, my favorite, oh, this is, this is the worst, which is the shame around meditation. Oh, the fact that you're having trouble meditating tells me that you need to meditate more, right? (laughs) Oh, oh, so, so sticky that one. And what that told me was that okay, well, there must be something wrong with me or there must be something wrong with the way that I am approaching this. And so I as a result- I think we could I kept... do a whole episode just on meditation shame, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't yeah. heard that before, but I, I totally identify. So keep going. Totally, <laughs> totally. And people don't, they think they're helping, right? And this is the important thing to, to note in my story is that every person I turn to for advice, it wasn't that they were trying to hurt me. They, it wasn't, it's not their fault. They just- regurgitated or shared what worked for them, but it it didn't work for me. And so getting that message as a result, I ended up just continually showing up and trying these five or so mainstream approaches and just convincing myself that like, okay, I guess this is how it is. Like, this is the status quo. Like I'm meant to, to struggle with PTSD. I'm meant to struggle with stress. I'm meant to be anxious. This is just my reality. And luckily I had a hint of resilience in my blood, I should say, And I just, I was like, there's gotta be more. And so I just kept exploring um, option after option after option. And after 10 years or probably more than that of struggling, I I realized exactly what worked for me. And a step further, I realized that it wasn't just that thing, that specific thing that worked for me, which was art, by the way, painting, that there was actually an umbrella that was bigger than that that there was a category, there was an approach that could lead not only myself, but other people to a practice that could get them out of a stress state. Mm -hmm. Now that grew beyond and beyond. Um, But the reason I started the company, and believe it or not, this is really the Cliff Notes version, but (laughs) you know, the reason I started the company was because when I discovered that thing that worked for me, I was pissed. I was furious. I was like, why the hell isn't anybody talking about this? And we're talking why about is- art and creativity when you say the thing. 
when I say that thing, I'm talking about this concept of the fact that there's no one size fits all when it comes to stress management. Of course. There's no one size fits all. And so I was furious. So, and on one end I was relieved and on the other end I was pissed. And when I got done throwing my temper tantrum, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm supposed to be the one that's talking about this. So it it sounds like what you're saying is that stress relief is really uniquely applied depending on the individual, who they are. And that makes sense. I mean, when you think about that, each person is unique, like a snowflake. Each person is a unique combination of skills, talents, innate abilities, cultural background, family, all those things rolled together. It sort of makes sense that, well, why would one recipe fit all? Like it just, yeah. 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 And it's funny because it's, it's so common. It's so common. Like I remember going to the doctor and asking for, for, for advice. And, and the doctor told me like, and, and there's a list of common uh, approaches here, but the doctor, I remember, I could not believe it. He was like, why don't you just take a few more bubble baths? My job at hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, right. Like screw you. Uh huh. That's uh, that is so contemptible. <laughs> that is and so diminutive. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But actually, for some people, a bubble bath might be perfect. I mean, we're not <laughs> exactly. knocking bubble baths. I'm not that person, right? It, it's just. So, you know, I think the way that I approach my work is very unique in, in that way. It's not your traditional mindfulness program. It's not your traditional stress program where you've got these like certain tools that this person or that practitioner is working with. The way that I, I support my clients is I help them figure out, I give them the framework because if we just, if we just go out into the world, it's just too much information. It's like going to a diner. We don't know what to order, but I give them the framework so that they are empowered to figure out exactly what works for them to manage their stress. Now it starts with that, right? Um, I haven't mentioned it yet. Every single one of my clients goes through this thing called the stress less method. And mm-hmm. that's my five-step unique methodology. And it starts with step one, which is managing your energy, right? So managing your, so I start with, okay, what works for you to get you out of fight, flight, or freeze mode? and into rest and digest mode, or if I want to sound scientific, get us out of one side of the nervous system, right? The, the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. In our industry, we like to talk about an amygdala hijack. Mm-hmm. How do you short circuit yep. an amygdala hijack? Yep. And, and you know, it, most of our listeners know the amygdala is the part of the brain that identifies whether you know, danger basically, and it drives fight, flight, or play dead. So that's, mm-hmm. that's why we like that terminology because it makes us sound really scientific, even though most of us don't even know where the amygdala is. <laughs> it makes us sound so fancy, but you know, there, this stuff, here's the thing is that there's, there's a purpose in using that language and the purpose in using it is to reinforce the idea that this is not just a bunch of bullshit. This is actually backed in science. Yes. You know, the right. other part that I like about the, about it is that, um, and I'm sure you're going to share more about this with us, but there's an implication here that we are not our brains, you know, that, that our brains are organs in our body, just like any other. And we get to choose which part of our brain, I'm not talking about our mind, but which part of our brain we're going to operate from. So mm-hmm. tell, tell me more. I understand from 
perusing your website that the second <laughs> step has something to do with understanding your blocks or identifying yeah. your blocks. Yeah. So the first step, just for clarity, is to figure out exactly what works for you to get you into rest and digest mode. Because mm -hmm. when we're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, I think this is important, especially in the work that you do, Rich, and the couples that are listening, is that when we are in fight, flight, or freeze mode, the first thing that goes out the window is our ability to access effective critical thinking or there's no, there's no thinking. The amygdala does not do critical thinking. And actually, sense, sort of central work that I do with uh, couples who are in conflict or with someone who's divorcing someone that they find kind of scary is identifying when they get to that point where they're, e they're either going to go down the ski slope of, of fear, anger, and blame, or they're going to decide that they're going to step back. And then it's all about tools, you know? Yep. hundred percent. So it's to get us out of fight, flight, or freeze into rest and digest so that we can return to the problem at hand with, a, from a state of groundedness and from a state of clarity. And we have access to that critical thinking, which is something that we uniquely have as human beings. Mm -hmm. It's one of our powerhouse tools, if you will. So going into keeping that in mind, once we're in rest and digest, and we may have to do that first step over and over and over again, we may have to do it 20 times a day, right? Just for acknowledgement here. But once we're able to do that, then we go into step two, which is identifying your blocks. So this isn't the fact that you're, you're furious with your partner for not unloading the dishwasher or loading it to begin with. It's not about- um, Loading it wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. They loaded it wrong. It's not that they, yeah. loaded, they loaded it wrong. They, they put the poles the where the dishes are supposed yeah. to be. The mugs, why can't they keep all the mugs on the top rack? I know about this problem. Yes, it's not about those surface level problems. I have a side story that- No, I it is. To. Carly, you have to load the dishwasher right or the dishes don't get clean. You know what? You're not eating at my house. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> side note, side note, because I think it's relevant and I think it's really, it's a funny story. When I was a teenager- um, so when all this happened, I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. My stepmom was a neat freak. And so my, my really petty teenager way of getting back at my stepmom was to go into the cabinets and turn all of the canned goods backwards. <laughs> so she couldn't see what they were. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> very, very petty on my end. I still laugh. I have matured beyond that state now. Um, all right, then you can but... come over. <laughs> you're not, not going to turn the labels around. Um, right, but no, it's, it's, it's not about the trigger. It's not about the trigger. It's not about the money. It's not about the dishes. It's not about that comment. It's not about any of that. There's a deeper block that each and every single one of us has. And it's up to us to come to that, to, to figure out, to dig deep, to figure out what that, what is that really triggering within us? And also how have we created more suffering for ourselves. What's our mm -hmm. part in this whole situation? And it's from that place. And, and by the way, this second step, when I, I, when I do it with my clients, it's not a short list. We go through past, present, and even future stressors where we, we really dig in and we figure out what is the commonality? What are the, what does this all boil down to? I've had clients where their entire list of 60 stressors boiled down to two limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. two. And, and in one, in one breath, that was like, for her, it was like totally just humiliating. And on, in the other breath, she was like, wow, this is going to be easy, right? Because it's only two things. Yeah. Except it's two old, deep, really set in there things, deep things, right? So for each person, it's different. Maybe they're, and it's not always limiting beliefs. That was just her, an example, but you know, we figure out what is the deep ingrained block 
that is having you perpetuate these patterns and this suffering for yourself. Now it's not all within your control, right? And we have to acknowledge that, but we, for us to find a sense of contentment and more peace amidst the chaos, we have to start with, with what our blocks are to, mm -hmm. to break the cycle, mm -hmm. especially in the context of relate relationships, right? We yeah. end up in this like communication pattern where it just doesn't stop and it just keeps perpetuating. And so for that cycle, to stop the crazy making cycle to stop, we have to figure out how we're contributing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, you know, people often ask me, how do you do that work with couples? And I say, you know, I don't really do it. They, they actually do it. You know, they make, the, they identify what the triggers are. They identify the fight they're having over and over that doesn't work for them. And they make the decision that they're gonna stop. I really don't have a magic wand you know, it's really just about uh, helping them find in themselves whatever it is that's driving that and making a decision that they they want to change it. That yeah. whatever the limiting belief is, I love that. Yeah, it, it's powerful stuff. And so it really goes back to, you know, step two is important in identifying it, but then we go into, okay, well, what, which of these blocks, because it may be a whole laundry list, which of these, pardon me for my for my noise making here i'm just going to take a second to make sure that that doesn't that's okay happen. i just want to say i actually do have a magic wand and i can fix everybody and sign up now <laughs> i thought Love that was some really Love bad it. marketing i just did there tell me you have a magic wand <laughs> right here's the magic pill go ahead yeah. <laughs> it, you know it's i think for a side note here i think that's the problem with the coaching industry i do I think that that there's so much marketing around like I that I can fix you or or I can give you the tools to fix your fix yourself or like do this one thing meditate for 30 days and you'll feel 10,000 times better and that may be the case but it may not be and I I think that the work that I do is so powerful because it's there's an understanding that it's not just it's not a 3 month container it's not a 6 month container it's not a container that like at the end of that container you're going to be like, I'm fixed. I'm done. Right. It's, it's, I come from the perspective of like, we're all on this journey and, and you may go through your whole list of blocks and we may pull them out by the roots. And then later on in life, something else is going to reveal itself. And you didn't even know that that block was there because nothing triggered it. And so it's a continual process of saying, okay, one, I'm going to manage my energy Two, I'm going to identify my blocks three. I'm going to create that plan to, to remove them Four, I'm actually going to do it. And five is that embrace grace piece. Um, that's what I call that step, which is the, the maintenance it's addressing stuff as it comes up that, so that you're able to be resilient and that you're able to maintain that sense of contentment amidst the chaos or amidst no chaos, depending on your life circumstances. I love that. I love your system. I especially love how your own personal experience and your frustration with what was being offered to you under some really extraordinary and probably dire circumstances drove you to find a methodology that can work for many people, even though it's not the same thing for each one. I yeah. love that you create unique solutions for each person. Very, very cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I would say it's a collaboration, right? It's I, I create the framework and the client creates the, their journey that they follow. And it's all about them is going back to what you shared the client deciding the person deciding I, i'm done with this i don't want to deal with this anymore so i'm going to do the work
And I understand that you have a gift for our audience today. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about managing your energy. Um, we didn't talk about, aside from a little, a little inkling of information, we didn't talk about exactly why that is so important. And so I do have a free downloadable audio training. It's something that I actually have given to my own clients. So it'll be like you're in the classroom with us that you can visit stresslessco.com slash energy to download. And that'll give you deeper context because I tell you what, if anybody skips a step in this method, it's always that first step. And yet it is the most important step in the whole process. I got it. Is there anything else you can share about that first step without giving away the, the house? <laughs> Again, I think it just goes back to the reminder that that managing your energy is key because you lose access to that critical thinking. And, and we need that. You know, I think I understand what you mean, but just to make sure that the, our audience gets it, you know, I keep thinking I'm going to make a joke about solar energy or something like that. But really, what that's about is I think when we're talking about is I want to be clear about when, what, yeah. what, is, what we're talking about when we're talking about energy. I think what you're talking about is our emotional energy, kind of where we're coming from. You know, are we coming from that? There's all different levels, not that one's better than the other of energy. And like, you know, with a lot of the couples that I work with or the people who are getting divorced, they're coming from kind of feeling a little victimy, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be very healing. Uh, maybe they've certainly got some anger and some blame going on. And, but where they want to be, usually for their children's sake, is in a place that's more creative and that's more win-win. And that's a completely different mm. emotional state that from you know, where, they're, where they arrive at. Uh, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah. So I would add one nuance. And that is that the, when I'm talking about energy, it's, it's really about like almost like a, it is an emotional thing. So you're right on track, but it's almost like a, a buzzing in your body as well. So like if you're in a state of anger or frustration, that energy is going faster, mm -hmm. right? If you're in a state of despondency or lack of motivation or despair, it's moving slower. And so when I'm talking about managing your energy, I'm talking about finding a, a, a middle ground, a place in between those places. And maybe those places are your magic spot, but finding the, the best place for you as an individual to mm -hmm. function from energetically. Yeah, and also I would imagine, or actually I know from experience, let's not BS around here, that situationally different emotions and different energies have different applications. Like there are times in life where it's perfectly appropriate to be enraged and might, yeah. even, might even be desirable. And there are other times where that's completely unacceptable. Well, I thought it's a hard concept in our current society where you know we, we bow to the law and allow the courts to decide everything. But that back, in the, back in the day, you know, people used to express their anger in a little more of an upfront manner and actually settle it themselves, you know? Yeah, All right. I think there's, there's a time. Go ahead, go ahead, jump in. Yeah. Um, so Carly, I, I have so much I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. And I have to ask you, I don't have to, but I'm going to ask you the final question of the show because we're meant to be doing like treadmill time or, or commute time. Maybe we'll do another one together. Maybe that's the solution. So the question is, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? Hmm. Yeah, so I think the legacy is twofold. I think one is for me to experience life from, from a place of a beautiful state of mind, whatever energetic place that that's in. So for myself to be happy, uh, to, to be content, I think is a better word. And on the flip side, to leave 
the tools to, to create a ripple effect, if you will, so that not only will my work make an impact on the, on the clients that I work with, but that those clients then have the tools to create a ripple effect across the globe. That's beautiful. I love Thank that. You. I love what you're creating. And I want to make a plug for creativity too. I feel like I missed something really important there when you were talking about how uh, it was really creativity that helped pull you out of the funk you were in. You know, and I think what I want to say to people, uh, we had a, an art therapist on the show about 10 episodes ago. Uh, and what came out of that was that creativity is something we all do all the time. Like a lot of times when we talk about creativity in art, everyone thinks Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci, you know, or Keith Haring, you know, if we're going to go on the other end of the scale, or they think about music and they think I could never do that. And creativity is not, though you might never create a Mona Lisa, creativity is not necessarily about that. We're all, everything we do is creative. Every mm -hmm. breath, every word, every motion is creative. We're creating all the time. And so I love that it was that focus on creativity that it, creativity is like the ultimate compilation of our emotional, our intellect, um, our past, our present, and our future. Like it all, in that creative act, it all comes together. It's such a high synthesis of who we are and our emotions. And so I just want, I want people to get that, you know, I'm sure what you weren't doing was like, or maybe you were, where it's like finger drawing, finger painting and going, oh, I'm cured. You know, there was something really deep happening in that process. And I really want to encourage our listeners to think about that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pause there because we could continue on. I have no idea where that came from, by the way. All right. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so much for being with me today. And it's been really such a pleasure to get to know you. And I hope that we can spend some more time talking in the future. Sounds good. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.